This is the Marvel Sports Podcast. It was hard-hitting. It was physical. It was so intense. You know, this Florida Panthers team is deep. Just be perfectly clear, we both picked the Chiefs to win in a shootout. And here's your host, David Marr. Hi everyone, David Mark from the Marvel Sports Podcast here. We have an exciting interview today. I have uh, Fox Sports Florida color commentator for the Florida Panthers, Randy Muller, joining me today. Randy, how you doing? Very good. Great to be on with you. It's great to see you. And I, I had a personal question to ask you about um, a, a couple of years ago when my family was um, in Florida. I, I've always wondered um, your, um, from your perspective what it was like to have me there um, at the BB&T Center with the tour and meeting Sean and all those guys over at um, in Sunrise. Yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun, and then you know we uh, we were happy to do that, and uh, you and your beautiful family and and that, and um, wanted to make it extra special for you and give you the behind the, the scenes tour and be able to meet uh, Sean Thornton, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. I, we. We do that quite a bit in, uh, yeah, bef- uh, pre-pandemic days, obviously, but uh, we're happy to do it. And hopefully we can do it again with your family uh, when you come down to Florida very soon. I, I will plan a trip whenever I can. It's, uh, I, I'm trying to see if I can do that at this uh, day and age. But um, so um, I guess from, uh, from your perspective, as um, well, I listen to you a lot on the, I listen to you a lot on the radio when you were calling games back then, how have you transitioned the way that you call the radio games to being the color guy on TV um, with like your personality and um, the way you used to call the games on the radio? How has that transition been for you? Well, there are some similarities, but also too, there's some differences. Obviously when you're doing play by play, you're, you're describing the action in the now. Um, the, the who, what, where, and what my job is now as the color commentator is, and you always got to think of this, you got to think of why, why did this play happen? It, it's already happened and on television and the fans can see that the play happened. And it's my job to try and take them inside on why it happened and the repercussions of, of, certain situations, defenses against offenses and, and reverse the other way around and that. And so you always got to have that in the back of your mind. That's, that's probably the biggest difference from doing play by play and doing color. Um, so let's get into some, uh, some Panthers stuff. Um, and um, preseason before the, um, before the season started, the Panthers made a bunch of roster moves. They added some guys from Columbus, like Duclair and Wenberg Um Driggers, the backup. Um, they had some younger pieces like Verhage, who came over from Tampa. Um, Losterinen, um, in his first year. Owen Tippett's back. How have the new additions played this year um, for the Panthers to get to where they're at? Well, that was the big unknown. Uh, they changed almost half the roster. And what they set out to do, going back to the offseason, early in the offseason, Bill Zito was named the general manager and that was his number one priority was to change the culture, change the attitude, change the makeup of this hockey club. 
yeah, you still have the core that are not going anywhere, like the Barkoffs and the Hoovertos and the Ekblads and the Bubroskis and the Uyghurs and what have you. But they wanted to change the culture, change the outlook of this team, and all, and and in doing that, bring in players that are going to compete harder, play uh, uh, well in a system, play like a team, and a little bit of grit and competitiveness. And I believe that they've done that in the early season um, results have shown that where this team is a lot different than plays a lot different than they did last year. They compete harder. Um, they're getting more balanced secondary scoring. They're not having to rely on the top line like Barkoff and Huberdeau. They've spread things out. Uh, a veteran like uh, Patrick Hornquist, who has two Stanley Cups, a veteran player, 34 years old. He's brought another element. And the, I think the biggest thing, David, is is the speed and the pace that the, the Panthers are playing. It's a much quicker game that they're displaying nightly on the ice. And they're getting they're reaping dividends because of that. I was going to mention Patrick Hornquist. Um, he came over from Pittsburgh. Um, what has he meant for not only for the team, but for special teams as well? Because we've seen him on the power play and the penalty kill to start the season so far. Yeah, that's the biggest element that he brings to his game is to be able to stand in front of the net. Now, if you watch compared or power play, the Panthers power play from last year, a lot of times it was Alexander Barkov in standing in front of the net. And you don't really want a guy that has the puck handling skills and the talent to be just standing in front of the net and taking a pounding and, and uh, trying to tip and uh, shots and screen the goaltender. Patrick Hornquist has, is the perfect remedy for that. And he has done his job very well. Four out of the six goals that he has scored are on the power play. So that element is, is uh, opened up now different options for the Panthers on the power play with Barkoff now playing off the side of the net or off the sideboards. Yeah, that I, I've been impressed with um, Hornquist's play. And I, I go back to that game against Columbus when he made that, that big goal. Um, was it, on, was it on special or was it on the, it might've been power on the power. Play, it was one, yeah. Um, that really meant like, wow, that was a huge addition because he's been so good at getting in the front of the net and, um, you know, getting, making sure that the rebound is right there. Um, that That's, he's been the biggest addition I feel like for the Panthers, but um, what about Carter Verhage? It was interesting for me to see, um, you know, Barkov and Duclair and then you, insert Verhage on that first line. What has Verhage brought to the Panthers and that, and that first line with Barkov? Well, I like to tell the story about Carter Verhage going back and doing some comparisons to other players that the Panthers brought in over the last few years. Now, Carter Verhage, very talented, well-rounded player, but because, unfortunate for him, he was on a Tampa Bay uh, team that is just loaded with depth up front and it was very difficult to get the proper ice time he was over only averaging seven eight minutes a night with Tampa Bay and and rightfully so because of they're so talented and obviously they're they're the uh, Stanley Cup champions so when he became a free agent the Panthers and Bill Zito their general manager felt that Here's a player that really has a lot of upside. If we give him a role, increase his ice time, the productivity and, and uh, will be there for him. And that's exactly what's happened. He's a dynamic player and he has every opportunity to be a top player in the NHL. I compare him to when the Panthers picked up Frank Vetrano from the Bruins. 
you remember he was stuck down on the fourth line playing five, six, seven minutes a night. Couldn't show his skill and, and what he could do. The Panthers were able to get him and put him in a role that he's very successful with. Uh, another player, uh, Marcia So. Uh, Marcia So, a, a few years ago, he was in Tampa and struggling to get any ice time, um, sitting out games and that. And look where his career went when we started with the Florida Panthers. And then, obviously, he has uh, continued on with Vegas and that. Those are the type of players that you have to keep an eye out. And that's where you have to rely on your scouting and your management to uh, identify those uh, diamonds in the rough and go out and try and get them any way you can in order to boost your club. Yeah, absolutely. And Frank Vetrano, I remember him from Boston when he came and you mentioned having him play six, seven minutes a night. I was like, why didn't they play him more? He's been, he was really good. He got to the front of the net. He was using his speed to get into the offensive zone. Um, I just, I, I really got surprised that the, the Bruins let him go and he's been a great addition in Florida. And I was really impressed uh, that penalty shot he had last night against Tampa. That was excellent. And I was like, he's, he's going to be a star if he keeps playing like this, the goaltending competition is interesting for me and for some of the Panthers fans out there, as you've probably seen on, on social media, everybody's so down on Bobrovsky. Everybody's so high on Chris Trieger. What do you make of the goaltending competition through the first 15 well, games of the season. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of pressure. And there's a lot of expectations when you have a $10 million a year goaltender. It's no different than Carey Price in in uh, Montreal or Anderson in uh, Toronto. When you're the guy, there's a, a, a real strong microscope on there, on you. And Sergei Bobrovsky last year did not have a bad year. But compared to years prior, where he was all world and an all star, and the, the numbers would back that up, it wasn't a Sergei Bobrovsky year. This year, he only has one regulation loss, and that's to the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's gained points in six of the seven games. He has made some great saves. He has given up goals that maybe he would like to have back. But I will round this all up. That's in my mind, that's the least concern about this hockey club, the Florida Panthers, is their goaltending. 90% of the time, the goaltending is adequate enough to give the team an opportunity to win. And that's basically what you can ask for. But Sergey Bobrovsky, and I and I think there's another element in this that Chris Drieger has played so well and had the success when he has been called upon. That adds to another element as well. And, and then you get fans and media start to do comparisons and, and, and doing some deep analysis of the Panthers goaltending. I'm not worried about uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. He, he works like nobody I've ever seen. His skill level, his preparation, his mental toughness. That's the one thing about Sergei Bobrovsky. He's got a high level of amnesia where if he gives up an early bad goal, he can overcome that. And with his confidence and his skill set, he'll settle right down. And he's done that a few times so far this year. Yeah, you mentioned having him settle down. I go back to that game against Detroit. Um, I think it was last week um, when he gave up a goal, a pretty soft goal against Zadina, like three and a half minutes in and just completely settled down the rest of the night. I, I'm not concerned about um, – uh, Sergey Bobrovsky, because I, I do feel like he he does play well, 
enough for them to win games. It's just, it, you know, it's hard for them. I think the Panthers, um, he, I, I'm, again, I'm not really concerned about him, but uh, how would you make, uh, what would you make of Chris Drieger so far this season um, as, as he's playing well this season so far? Yeah, he, I, I will say this. Going back to last year, way last year in the training camp, back to a year from October, Chris Drieger came to camp and he was like number four or number five on the depth charts. And his work ethic and his improvement up until last night is remarkable. He has done it himself. Uh, there was a number of goaltenders in front of him, but he battled his way. He played well in the East Coast Hockey League. He played well in the American Hockey League. And when he got a chance, when he got called up, he played extremely well and his numbers backed that up. I said it, uh, I've said it a few times over the last couple of weeks. Chris Drieger is the most improved Panther from a year ago, October until now. He has his game. He has the size. He's worked on his skill set. He's worked on his mechanics. And he has the confidence. And the team plays very well in front of him. So that helps him out as well. So it's a great story. It's a very positive story. I'm very happy for Chris Drieger because he's worked for everything that he is that he's got. Yeah, I've been I've really been impressed with Drieger. I was impressed with him last night against Tampa, and when it looked like uh, everything was collapsing on them, they they it becomes five four in the blink of an eye, and he just completely settled down in the third period and uh, kept Tampa off the scoreboard. Uh, we'll get into the Tampa series in a little bit. Aaron Eckblad's got nine points so far. And I think he's been, to me, he's been really a shocker to have nine points. Um, what would you, how do you make uh, Ekblad's performance so far and the way that he's come into his own uh, this season? Yeah, he, he's really taken his game to a new level, Aaron Ekblad, along with a couple of other players. And Alexander Barkov's another one as well. But Aaron Ekblad has come in. Here's a player that really figured it out over the last couple of years and his his dedication to fitness. And what I mean by, by that is the, the whole nutrition, how he trains, especially in the off season. A lot of people don't realize this. During the off season, he's originally from Southern Ontario, Windsor area. He doesn't go back. He goes back maybe for a visit, but he stays down here and his commitment working out with a trainer and trying to elevate his fitness level. And it's really paying dividends. He's a very mature and focused athlete and he understands how he can take his game to the new level and we're seeing that both defensively and offensively and he's getting an opportunity to play in the number one power play and he's racked up some good points and he's been a big part of that and uh, I'm really happy for him uh, if he continues to play the way he's playing right now and with the with the offense supporting the strong defensive play there's no reason why he can't be in the conversation for the Norris trophy as a uh, league's best defenseman, because he's having that type, type of year. He leads the Panthers game in and game out with time on ice. And that just shows his, his how valuable he is to the Florida Panthers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, yeah, Aaron's been impressive. I, I really like the way that he is. Um, he's played, especially on special teams, the way he's been able to get pucks to the net and um, get shots on goal and, and uh, score on a Couple of times, um, what is Rad Radko Gudis was another addition um, in the offseason to the Panthers. What has he brought to the defense? 
Well, going back, as I mentioned before, Bill Zito, they wanted to change the makeup of this hockey club and, and, and the compete level. And with that, a little bit more grittier, a little bit more physicality in the, in the lineup. So he was targeted and signed as a free agent, and he is fit perfectly. Not only does he play tough, but he's underrated. He moves the puck, and very rarely will he take a bad penalty. He plays a physical game. He leads uh, the team in hits by a large margin, and we showed a stat last night. He's second in the NHL in hits, and he's number one in hits overall since he joined the National Hockey League. That shows, and he sticks up for his, for his teammates. He plays the game the way they want him to play in amongst the rules, and he's, he's really quickly become a fan favorite. A really good addition. Yeah. Um... Joel Quenville, it's his second season in South Florida. What does he see out of this team as them being 9-2-2 two two for the first 13 games of the season? What has he seen from them so far? I think he's been impressed. The, his comments that he makes on off days, on game days, post-game, he likes the pace. The, the team plays a lot quicker. Remember, he came from the Chicago Blackhawks where they were just flying with Taves and Kane and all the talent that they had and very mobile defensemen. He, I think he believes that this team is close to getting to that level. The other thing that coaches always want is that compete level. Not only the pace of the game, but also to compete. Uh, the one-on-one -on -one battles, the board battles for the puck. The Panthers are much improved, and I think uh, I think Joel Quenville is very impressed with that. He likes the the uh, the the makeup of this team, uh, the chemistry of the team. He, he often said in the past that you know he if you if if uh, the reliance on that number one line, the Barkoff line, and if they're not scoring or creating the offense, the team had a tough time winning. Well, now they have so much more depth up and down their lineup and on the back on the blue line that they can create uh, uh, offense from all four lines, all six defensemen. And it, it, it makes his job a lot easier in coaching this hockey club. So if you gather it all in, I think he's very impressed so far. He likes the pace, the quickness of the team, the compete level of the team and the depth of the hockey club as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's one of my, that's one of the things that my buddy mentioned when we were doing the podcast earlier, he said he was really impressed with the, the, the depth of this team, um, and the way that they play, played against Tampa Bay. So let's go back to that series against Tampa. Was it really, I was really impressed with the way that they not only were able to win one game that they won two games and they won in Tampa for the first time. I think I heard in like five years. Um, but it's been a long time since they've won in Tampa, how impressive was it for the Panthers to not only win one, but to win two games against the defending champions, especially one in their barn um, this past weekend? Yeah, it's a, it, it, I think it was a good measuring stick before the first game where they won at home. Uh, what was it, five to two? Yeah. Um, the first game on Thursday, last Thursday. They knew that this was going to, a lot of people and themselves internally, that this was going to be a good measuring stick going up the against the defending Stanley Cup champions, and and they fared very well. They were able to skate with the with the Lightning. They were able to uh, play a physical game and uh, skate stride for stride. And I I, I think that's given this team a, a lot of confidence. Game number two though, 
the Panthers after a, a fairly good first period. It was 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, once they got down one nothing, they, they, they started to lose their composure. And the talent of the Tampa Bay Lightning took over in that second period with four straight goals. I, I believe that's a learning curve for the Florida Panthers. They realize that they can't let their guard down. They can't get away from their systems and, 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 the, and the little details of, the, of their game because a team that is so talented of the Tampa Bay Lightning will expose you and really take it to a, take it to a new level. And, uh, and I think the Panthers, that was a real good statement game last night against, against the Lightning because they were able to bounce back. The Florida Panthers so far this season are 4-0 coming back off a loss. So that, that shows the character of this hockey team. Yeah, Goldie, uh, you and Goldie mentioned that last night when I was watching the broadcast. They were four and zero after a loss, and that that the resiliency of the team has been impressive to me. For them to win, to lose a game like that game against Detroit, where they lost four to one, like how in the world they lose that game and then they win the next one. Um, that game last night, as I was watching it, I was re- it was really intense, and to me, I've watched the Panthers play against Tampa so many times, and it's never had that feel of like a playoff game. It's so, in, it's physical, it's high scoring. It, did it have that playoff feel to you when you were calling the game? Like when the, the goals were going all over the place and uh, fights broke out and some big hits and all that, did that have a playoff feel for you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think the rivalry is on. There was a, a, a long period of time, as you mentioned, the Panthers hadn't won in five years. They, they'd only won twice in the last 11 visits into Tampa Bay. And they give Tampa credit. They're, they're a world-class organization. Um, they're well-deserved to win the Stanley Cup last year with the talent that they have. Um, but I think the rivalry's on. I think the Panthers, they realize that if they play their game, that they can compete on a game-by-game uh, level. Wouldn't it be great if these two teams meet in the playoffs and we have a seven game series uh, against the Tampa Bay lightning, that, that would do a lot for the rivalry down here in Florida for sure. And I think the Panthers feel confident that they, that they can compete with the lightning. I think there's a, there's mutual respect there now. And I, I, it did feel like a a playoff game. Every shift was a, was a fight out there for loose pucks. It it was physical. It, It got a little nasty, but also to the, the skill level displayed by both teams with their star players was off the chart. And that's what I think the fans really enjoy. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to that third period when Anton Strollman, um, who I think has played well, um, gets his first of the season a minute into the third period. And then it looked like all hell broke loose when Tampa was just up and down the ice, the ice completely tilted. What did you see out of Quenville's group in that third period when it looked like every, I mentioned this earlier, um, Everything caves in. It looks like it's all falling apart. Tampa's all over them, and they never and they didn't allow a goal in the third period. Yeah, well, you go back to years past, and that was a typical game that the Panthers would have blown the lead and lost the game. They bent a little bit, but they didn't break, and they found a way. They kept their composure. Uh, there was a couple of individual plays that really settled them down. They got some a uh, couple of big saves from Drieger. That, that helped their confidence as well. Again, it's a, it's a learning curve and, and to try and manage the game 
So, so much players and, and especially coaches and as broadcasters, you talk about game management and puck management and that, that all comes into play when you're having to deal with a stressful situation where you're trying to protect a one goal lead. But when no doubt, when Strawman got that, the last goal to make it six, four, uh, even though there was a, a, a strong push by the Tampa Bay lightning, the Panthers found a way uh, playing a team game to keep them off the board and were able to hang on for the win. I was going to bring up uh, Anthony Duclair getting his first of the season. And I, and I've, I've mentioned this a hundred times on Twitter over the last week, he has been so close. I'm like waiting and waiting and everybody else was waiting. He gets that first goal. I screamed in my dorm room uh, last night when he scored, I was just so happy because he's been working so hard. What has he brought to this team, especially in that game against Tampa, getting that first goal um, of his Florida Panthers career um, play, and, his, and playing on the Barkov line as well. Well, he's another player that, that they brought in that has a high level of speed and skill to play at that high speed. And he's added another dimension to, to the team. Now, I mean, I was really happy for him and I know he was, he was all smiles and finally getting that first goal, but it seems like every game that he plays, there's three or four clear cut chances. He's come so close. He hasn't had the puck luck. Um, maybe this will open up the floodgates, but no doubt he's another player. I mean, this player, he was an all-star last year. He had 23 goals in the first 40 some games for the Ottawa senators last year. He's an NHL talent elite player that can uh, help uh, replace players like the, when the Panthers moved on from Mike Hoffman and Evgeny Dadnoff, he fits in and playing on that top line. He can skate and he cuts in off the wing and he's fearless with that puck. That's, that's, that's what the Panthers were looking for in replacing two quality players. Yeah, he's been by far to me, he's been a huge offensive playmaker for this team. And I'm, I'm really impressed with the way that he's, um, been able to make plays and um, get that get chemistry with Barkov and Verhage really quickly and be able to play with those two. What has Alexander Barkov's leadership meant? He's the captain. He's been the captain for a while now. But what with those younger players, um, with this with this new younger core for this team, what does having Barkov's leadership um, do for the team as in morality? Well, he's a Alexander Barkov's not a most physical or not, not most vocal captain, but he leads by example with his compete level every shift when you see it. And when you add the skill that he has, he's an elite player, no doubt. And for years, he was the most underrated player voted by his peers year after year. There's a, there's a group of leaders on this team, including Aaron Ekblad and, and Jonathan Huberdeau. They've been through a lot down here. And they've grown up together. And I believe that they realize, and, and they're really striving, they don't want to have those struggles that this franchise has endured over the last number of years and the growing pains of going with that young core. They've grown up now. They know they have a taste of success now. And I, I think that motivates them all together. And I know it motivates uh, uh, Sasha Barkov. He wants to succeed. He wants to play meaningful hockey games and and go deep into the playoffs. And all it does is just uh, add a feather to your cap and and solidify what type of player you are. 
it's not fun for, for professional athletes just to play a season and lose the majority of the games and and not make the playoffs or if you do get bounced out very quickly like the Panthers did this last year they want to have success and and you can you can tell the motivation and and Barkoff's a great leader for that because he leads by example on the ice and that's what you want yeah absolutely so um coming off the Tampa game they're going to Carolina Wednesday night um how does Joe Quenville get his team to forget about that 6-4 win, that, that big win against the defending champs on the road, and get him focused for a game where Carolina, dangerous as they are, can be a potential trap game for the Panthers going in there to Raleigh tomorrow night? No doubt. It could be a trap game. And that's, that's human nature. There, there's always highs and lows. The Panthers played, especially last night, with a lot of emotion in that win in Tampa, you're going to have your, that's where the leadership and the coaching staff will have to remind them how important Carolina's off to a great start last year. You saw them many, many times there in my mind, they were the quickest team in the NHL. They play at a very high speed, high pace, and they're always on the attack. So the Panthers better be ready for that both physically and mentally for the start of the game. Carolina starts quick. They seem to score uh, early and often in their game so far this year. So that's added a little added incentive for the Panthers to match that intensity at the start of the game tomorrow night. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch because I, I, I saw Carolina play in that game against um, Columbus where they scored seven times. They're fast. They've got a lot of young talent. Um, Svechnikov's been um, a great young piece in that offense. Um, saw him a couple times in the American Hockey League in Charlotte. Um, at nine, two, and I know it's a little bit early for me to say this, but at nine, two and two, where can this team go after be after beating Tampa Bay, after getting nine wins off their best starting franchise history, is this team to you built to win a division title, especially in the, in the format that it's in? Well, it's, it's very difficult to, to look too far ahead. Uh, Joel Quenville has been asked that as a head coach, where his team is at right now and the expectations before the season and where they're at, the record now, and is there, there uh, room for improvement? I think there always is. The one thing, he, and it's tough for fans sometimes because they maybe, and I don't blame them, and we do too, you look too far ahead. You got to take a game at a time. This is a very unique situation that they're playing in. And because of the schedule is so condensed and they're playing every second night, like they played last night, they'll play tomorrow night. They, then they play uh, Friday and Saturday, and then they play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday again. It, they, these, these games are so condensed now that it's very unpredictable, David. And they, the Panthers knock on wood have stayed away from COVID related issues for the most part. Um, injuries to key players, which other teams have, have gone through. The Panthers have stayed away from that, knock on wood. You just don't know what the future is going to hold, but they can control the, the days and the games that they're involved in right now, continue to try and improve the team game and, the, and, the, and what they're trying to accomplish on the ice. Right now it's working. They're going to they're gonna face some adversity like every team goes through. doesn't matter what team, top or bottom team. You're going to face 
some adversity. It's how they're gonna how they're gonna handle that adversity and come out the other side and be stronger for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last couple, uh, the Panthers have been one of the few teams in the league that have allowed fans. What does having the fans in the building mean for the team? Um, yeah, as a as a fan base, being being able to allow to host fans in the building, what has it meant for the team? I think it's meant a lot to everybody, to us, the players, the coaches, to ownership, and to and and the the biggest thing is the fans themselves. They want to feel a part of it, and especially now with the Panthers off to their great great start to the season, it is there's nothing better, and we hope and pray that that everybody stays safe the panthers and their organization and the building the bbnt center have gone great length to make sure that it is a safe and welcome and fun environment number one priority is safety and they've accomplished that the fans that have come to the games have felt safe uh, with the steps that the team has made from when they arrive in the parking lot their entry um touchless food and bev merchandise the facilities everything has been all thought out and they're really enjoying enjoying the games right now everybody's happy everybody is happy and i think the players they feel a little bit of motivation too when they even though they've got only 4500 people in the stands they hear them and they feel their energy and i think they're playing off of that I'm certainly not from the Floridian area, but I could speak for most Florida Panther fans that I could say we're completely happy with the way that this team has started out at a uh, nine, two and two. Um, the last one, it, it's a broadcasting question. It's um, the, 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 before COVID started, it was travel to the West coast or wherever the Panthers were playing that night. But nowadays it's a little bit more simplistic as a broadcaster how has that transition worked for you being not being able to travel and just um, stay within the South Florida community for uh, calling the games? David, it is what it is. And I say it every day. We're blessed. I'm blessed to be able to be a part of this team and this sport, which I love. Would I love to be on the road with the team, even if it's only uh, games in their own division? Yes. I love the travel. I love going to different cities and, and going out West and going to Canada and, and New York city and Boston's one of my favorite spots as well. And that I miss that, but under the circumstances, I think we're all blessed to be able to do it. We've made some adjustments. We call the games now here at home when they're on the road and uh, it is what it is. And I think we do a good job. We're comfortable with doing it. We've made uh, we've got a great crew. You work with what you have, but right now with the team playing a, a, an exciting style and a winning style, it's been a lot of fun and I'll take it. it. It's, it's a lot better than not having any games and sitting at home and wondering when, when our sport and when our business is going to start up. So we hope for the best. Everybody's working as hard as they can to make sure that uh, the games look good on t TV and um, I'm hoping the fans are enjoying that. And the feedback that we've got is they are enjoying them. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's great to see that um, we were able to get the season started with the new divisional alignment and everything sort of is working out. And um, for you broadcasters, and we're, we're grateful for you to bring us the games um, 
even from the, the studio in South Florida or from the BB&T Center. Um, it, it's great to hear you and Goldie calling the games from, um, from the BB&T Center or um, from the South Florida studio. Um, I can't say it enough. You guys do a great job every night. And uh, I really look forward to hearing you on uh, Wednesday against uh, Carolina. Well, thank you so much for having me on, and let's do this. Uh, let's do this again. Always enjoy Absolutely. talking hockey and talking Panthers hockey. Absolutely, we'll get you on at some point. So, uh, appreciate Randy Muller for coming on today. Um, this will be up at some point later this week, um, but appreciate you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. <laughs>